Please remain standing for our scripture this morning, which is the 85th Psalm. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. The word of God for the people of God. So, um, last weekend, my family and I attended um, my nephew's basketball tournament in Lawrence, Kansas. Go Jayhawks. Just kidding. No one walk out. No one walk out. That is actually just a dig for my summer youth intern, Allie Grosvenor, who goes to K-State and is a wildcat. So any chance I get to, uh, yeah, there you go. Throw the symbols up. Nice. Okay. So, anywho, we were there in um, Lawrence, Kansas for this basketball tournament. And when we go on these out-of-town tournaments, I stay uh, in the hotel room with my parents, and that helps us save money, and it reminds us why it's good for grown children to have their own place. And uh, so we we do that often, and I appreciate them letting me crash on the couch uh, in the hotel suite. And so uh, last week, we got back one day, and it was kind of a long day, and we got back to the hotel room, and I noticed my dad kind of like wandering around the room, looking in weird places. He was you know, looking, checking the tabletops, and he was looking on the floor, and um, came to the bathroom, came back out of the bathroom, and so because I'm sharp, I said, Dad, are you looking for something? And he's like, my glasses. So my mom and I uh, joined in on the search via 100 questions. You know, well, where did you last have them? Did you have them in the car? Did you have them at the restaurant? Did you take them downstairs when you went to get extra towels? You know, all the questions that when someone is looking for something, they really appreciate and they haven't thought of 100 times already. Yeah, those questions. And so my dad goes down to the car and checks there. And then he goes to the front desk and he checks there and then comes back to the room empty-handed, no glasses. And I remembered, unfortunately not before he made all those trips, but I remembered that I had seen him sitting on the end of the bed working on his phone. And we all knew that there was no way he was working on his phone without glasses because he couldn't have seen anything. So I went back to the edge of the bed and I sat there and I looked from that perspective. There they were on the floor about two feet away under a luggage rack blending into the carpet his glasses. We had no idea how they got there, still don't have any clue, but here's what we do know. When you've lost something, you retrace your steps. When you lose something, you retrace 
your steps. Now, I'm going to guess this morning that you've lost something, probably material before, right? So you've lost maybe um, a set of car keys or a phone um, or a document at some point. I mean, just Friday night, I was downtown having dinner outside, and a young lady walked by looking all over. She had lost her keys, and she was retracing her steps and picking up the tickets off the windshield of the car. You know, but we also lose things that are not material things. We lose things like dreams and hope and faith and love. A dream job becomes drudgery because we've lost what's meaningful about it, what was exciting about it in the beginning and what led us to that. A marriage crumbles because we've lost that love and intimacy under, buried under lots of blame and neglect. A medical diagnosis that makes you lose faith. Yet another letdown, a relationship that goes nowhere, a promotion that goes elsewhere, and no money to go anywhere, and you lose hope. I just came off a wonderful summer, a great summer of trips, wonderful time with people and mission partners around the world, chance to see what God is doing in our country and around the world and participate in that. <clears throat> Fantastic. And yet, and yet this week I'm really struggling I mean, those trips are always hard anyway. You're going uh, full speed for two months, and then it's an abrupt stop, and it's always an adjustment. But it's been a little bit harder this time. You see, when I travel and I have a busy schedule, I can mentally and emotionally check out from the hard things in life. I don't have to think about them. I'm distracted. The summer is usually two months of distractions from the hard things in my life or around me. But when I return home... I find them all there waiting for me alongside the pile of mail and magazines and dust. I'm a peacemaker by nature. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I hate conflict. I want the world to be full of joy and rainbows and ponies and chocolate ice cream for everybody. That's just my nature. But our current world is anything but that. There is real pain and there's real anger. There's justified conflict, and crisis is all around us and among us. And some days it simply feels like we've lost our way. Some days it feels to me like God's promises and God's presence are missing, and we're out here frantically tossing the couch cushions up, looking for God's promises, and to see if God is still at work, and if he even cares. When things aren't what we hope them to be, how can we believe? When we're kept awake at night because of agony and anguish and anger about what is happening in us and around us, how do we act in hope? And when evil has the microphone and hate turns up the volume, how do we hear any other songs? Psalm 85 is a song just for a time like this. It's a song about a people who, in the midst of community distress and pain, have lost their way, and they need to retrace their steps to remember the promises of God so they can move forward in faith. So according to many Bible scholars, the context of Psalm 85 is most likely after the Israelites have returned home from exile, from being captives in a foreign land. And for 70 years, they held on to this promise that God would deliver them and return them to the home of their family, the land where they grew up, the promised land. 
and they had dreamed of this day. They tell the stories of this place around kitchen tables and water coolers and campfires and hushed tones and hope-drenched whispers. They do this. They tell these stories because they need to remember and hold on to the one thing that can't be taken captive, which is hope. And God did as God promised. He led them out of captivity back to the land that they knew. But for those who chose to return home, they came back to a very different home. Things were not like they remembered or had been told they would be. There were things that felt missing, things that were lost, like a sense of God's presence and God's promises. Do you ever feel like God's presence or promises are missing in your life? Do you ever feel like God has led you somewhere he promised to lead you, but it isn't what you thought it was going to be? Do you ever feel scared or anxious about the hard things in your lives or in the hard lives or the hard things in the lives of others or in our nation and find yourself wondering, will good ever prevail? Will God remember us and restore us? I have. I do. I have this week. And when I have this happen in my life, when this occurs, when I feel lost, like I've lost my way, the only thing that I know to do is to retrace my steps, to remind myself, even though I'm struggling to see it now, God is good. God is faithful. God keeps his promises. This happens a lot in the Psalms, and Psalm 85 is an example of this. The Israelites are in a crisis, and they're questioning whether God is still with them and for them. Will his anger ever cease against them? The first three verses look back to former blessings to help them retrace their steps and find hope again. The next four verses speak to God in the present distress, and the last verses look forward to a hope and a future. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. The author of Psalm 85 is reminding the listener, lest they forget, of all the ways that God has shown up for them in the past and all the things that God has done. So when things are tough, when our world is out of sorts, when we feel lost, we must remember what is true by retracing what we know to be true about God. God, you have shown favor. You have restored. You have forgiven. You have pardoned. You've softened your anger with love. The Israelites knew this. They didn't hope for it. They knew it because they'd experienced it, and they needed to remember it. Now, maybe you hear that this morning, and you're thinking, that is great, Mel, but I don't have anything to bear witness to. I don't have any faith steps to retrace. I don't feel like God has ever shown favor to me or restored me or forgiven me. And in moments like these, perhaps, maybe our family stories can be the witness you need until you can recognize or experience those for yourself. I mean, those are the things we're doing right now, aren't we? We are telling our family faith stories together so we remember, so we hold on to hope. Uh, when she was uh, nine years old, a few years ago, my niece drew a picture and wrote a devotion for our Advent devotion book. And uh, she drew and colored this beautiful picture of a heart and rainbow picture. 
And you were going to see it this morning, but as you can hear and tell, technology has gone to sleep. But trust me, you would pay millions for it, because it's beautiful. Um, And here's what she wrote along with that devotion. God created beautiful rainbows to make a promise. God keeps his promises. God created me. God loves me and keeps his promises to me. I love God. I mean, I know she's my niece, but oh, come on. Isn't that precious? And here's the thing. Morgan had heard us at home and here at this church tell of the promises of God. She believed these things to be true about God, not necessarily because she had experienced them herself or could recognize them in her own life, but because those around her at home and in her faith family talked about the time that God kept his promises. And because she trusts us, she claims those truths as her own. Yeah, if they are true for them, they must be true for me as well. And hopefully she has or will have her own stories of faith to add to our collection of family stories. You know that each time here at First Baptist when we do a baby dedication, we make a vow, a pledge, a covenant to raise this child up and to tell them the faith stories of our family. We say these things aloud together as a covenant. As this child grows into childhood, we are called to invite him to experience the stories of our faith, that he may one day claim his place in God's story through baptism. We will tell this child about Abraham and Sarah, Miriam, Moses, Ruth, Mary and Joseph, the apostles and the mothers and fathers of the church through the ages. That's our promise, to tell the stories. We must, church, tell over and over again about God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives and in the larger family story so that we remember who God is. When we lose our way, these stories help us retrace our steps back to the promises and the nature of God. And as Morgan wrote, God loves us and keeps God's promises to us. And that's what the first three verses of Psalm 85 say, too. Yet, that doesn't mean that we don't go through difficult times, right? The next three verses, or four verses, say these things. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people can rejoice in you? So show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. We're not seeing it. Show it to us. Now, one of the reasons I love the Psalms is because of the honesty. About 70% of the Psalms are what they call laments or Psalms of supplication, including Psalm 85. It's Psalms in which the Psalms or the psalmist or the writers offer a cry for help and a desperate description of their troubles, but then they strive to work through to a statement of trust. It's something like this. God, despite all that is happening, and it is happening, let me tell you in detail how it is happening. Despite that, I will still trust you. I will still trust you. Laments are honest and real in their frustration and fear and anger, but they don't end on that note. They always find their way to trust and hope despite present circumstances 
And they usually do that by retracing their steps through the faith stories of God's steadfast love. A few years ago, a musician, Michael Gunkor, tweeted this. He said, approximately 70% of the psalms are laments. Approximately 0% of the top 150 songs sung most in churches today are laments. There's a disconnect. And he got a lot of pushback for that tweet. Uh, People didn't feel like we should sing sad songs in church because, you know, Jesus and all. But Psalm 85 and the other songs of lament would say we can and we must sing about both. Both the hard things, the broken things, the things that hurt, as well as the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Our world is looking for real. We are desperate for real. And to come here week after week and never acknowledge or say that it feels like God has forgotten us sometimes or that he's fallen down on the job, to never say that is not real. Some days, verses 4 through 7 of this psalm feel so true to me. Are you angry with us, God? I mean, do you still care? Are you still trying to restore us? Because some days it feels like the nation's in a nosedive, and I question whether God is still flying the plane or whether he's strapped on a parachute and got out while we were all busy pushing the buttons, you know, on the control panel and within one another. And who would blame him for bailing? But in these moments, when it feels like I've lost my way, my fear and doubt have taken over the story, I have to retrace my steps and remember I remember all the faith stories that bear witness to a God who does not quit no matter what we do. A God who brings order out of chaos. A God who goes to extraordinary lengths to save God's beloved. A God who intentionally leads us through the wilderness in order to get us to that promised land. A God who is trustworthy. A God who is just. A God who is about peace. A God who is good. The last six verses of Psalm 85 are hopeful words for now and for the future. And and this section of the psalm is often used and quoted at Advent time um, because we anticipate the birth of Christ who is a fulfillment of these beautiful words, okay? So starting in verse 8, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, for his faithful to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Having retraced their steps in their faith story with God, there is now something solid again to build their hope upon, something true for us to build our hope upon. That even though things might still be broken and pain may still be present in our world and in our life, God speaks peace to his people. God's covenant with us is still binding. God has not forsaken us. God has not forgotten us. God's salvation, God's dream is in motion. And this is what it looks like, according to Psalm 85. It looks like steadfast love, loyalty love. It looks like faithfulness. It looks like righteousness or justice. And it looks like peace for all. Shalom, well-being for all. 
Kindness and truth will meet. Justice and peace will kiss. Truth shall spring up from the ground, and justice will shower down from heaven. This is the work that God is doing. This is the work we are commanded to do as well. When you lose something, retrace your steps. When you feel that you've lost your way, when your faith is faltering, or we question whether God is at work, and we find ourselves losing hope, follow the pattern of Psalm 85. The first thing is to remember God's faithfulness. Tell the stories. Recall what we know to be true about God. What stories of God's faithfulness can you see? Where has God been at work in your lives or the lives of others in the past that can guide you through the present distress and give you a hope and a future? So remember God's faithfulness. The second thing is to require God's help. Request that. To be honest like the laments. Be real and honest about your struggles, what you're angry about, what you're frustrated about, how you're hurting. And like the laments, let this be a cry of help and a description of your troubles, but yet strive to work through to a statement of truth. God, yes, all this is happening, and this is how I feel, and this is what I'm mad about, but I will still trust you. And the last one is to reside in God's promises. God's dream is in motion. We have steadfast love, faithfulness, righteousness, and peace are working together in harmony, and they are embodied in Jesus Christ and the church. So let's join God in the dream of being people of love and faithfulness and righteousness and peace.